You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. And floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. What are you working on this fine weekend? We would love to help you get that project done. Solve the do it yourself dilemma. You got a project you're doing yourself great. You got one that maybe is a little over your head. Need to get a guy, need to get a gal, a pro in there to help you. Give us a call. We'll sort it out. The number is 1 888 Money Pit, 888 666 3974. You know, it used to be that having a backup generator was reserved for the wealthy few, or more often businesses or healthcare facilities, because you know when the heart and lung machine goes down in a power failure, it's not good. No. The good news is that costs have come way down, and standby generators are now being installed by homeowners in record numbers. So coming up this hour, we're going to have some tips to help you figure out exactly what it will take to get a standby generator installed in your home. It's not as complicated or as costly as you might think, and it's a project that you might want to put on the to-do list for this fall or the year beyond. Mm -hmm. 18 days without power. Thank you, Superstorm Sandy. (laughs) You cannot even understand Long Islanders truly have backup generators on the tip of their tongue as we head towards the fall season. I mean, it's just amazing. Something that people didn't know anything about, now they seem to know about. Well, also ahead this hour, you guys, we've got an easy way to save electricity. It's a simple home improvement that you can do to make sure that lights aren't left on in any empty rooms. Plus, we're also going to get some tips this hour hour on how to use mulch in your yard to protect your shrubs and plants. That's especially important now going into the fall. Roger Cook, the landscaping contractor from TV's This Old House, will be stopping by with some info on that project. And don't forget, we wouldn't be Team Money Pit without our very special listeners, you guys. And we always have great prizes up for grabs, so pick up the phone and give us a call because this hour we've got a filtry quick change whole house system and you're going to get fresh, clean water with just the turn of your tap. And that filtry system is going to go out to one caller drawn at random so give us a call the number is one eight 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 money pit eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four it's worth 98 bucks leslie who's first charlene in louisiana is on the line with a roofing question what are you working on i have a shallow roof on my house they call it a like a two three pitch it's not flat i mean it's um but it's very shallow okay almost no attic you know about maybe two feet in there i was interested in an aluminum roof you know, like a lifetime roof, and I wanted to know which would be better, that or uh, a regular shingle roof, uh, like an architectural roof. You don't have the pitch for an asphalt shingle roof. You need to have at least a 312 or a 412 roof to put in shingles. Well, I have shingles on it now, and they've been there for like 20 years. I'm telling you, you may, but it's not right. 
you can only put shingles on a, a roof. It's got a minimum pitch of 312 or 412. And if you've got them on there right now, count your blessings, but it shouldn't have been put on there. And any roofing manufacturer will tell you that. If, uh, you know, if you, your options, therefore, are either to do, say, a rolled roofing or a rubber roofing or a metal roof, um, as long as it's rated for that low pitch. And I think uh, a metal roof's a great investment if you're going to be there for the long haul. But that's what I would invest in because, you know, with that low of a pitch, you probably don't see it very much. And you want to make sure that it's really going to be watertight. And with a low pitch, you just can't use an architectural shingle. It just won't work. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. All right. Next up, we've got Ray in Minnesota who's working on a decking project. How can we help you? Um, yeah, I just bought a house and it was built in 2008 and I have a big wraparound porch and it looks like it's never been really maintained since they built it. And so, uh, especially with the Minnesota winters up here and the weather, looking to seal it, but not really sure what to use and also, you know, not really wanting to have to do it every single year, you know. So just wanted to get some advice about what I could do. So is the porch flooring uh, a finished floor or is it like a deck, like pressure treated? Pressure treated wood. It's a deck. And is there anything on it currently? Uh, No. So what you can do is you could apply a solid color deck stain to that. Okay. And a solid color stain is going to last longer than a semi-transparent or certainly a transparent stain. But you use a deck stain because deck stains also have some durability to them. Yeah, the benefit of the solid color stain is that because it's a stain, it's actually going to penetrate the surface of the wood. So the color will actually get into the lumber itself. And then a solid stain obviously has more pigment to it. So given the fact that your deck has had nothing on it for however many years, it probably looks a little worn in places and maybe worse for the wear. So a solid stain is going to sort of cover all of that up while giving you some color and still act as a stain since that's what it is. And you're generally, if you apply it correctly, you're going to get about five years on horizontal surfaces and, you know, about seven years on vertical. It really depends on the weather conditions, the application, how you prep it. Is the wood totally dried out when you're putting it on? But a solid stain is probably the best bet. Okay, okay. I I had one question about it. I've seen some commercials for some new products that that are more kind of like concrete-based almost like a more of a, a paint type thing. What about those? Are those good or would you recommend using something like that or don't don't do it. I think you're talking about the, the, the products that are like liquid siding and things of that nature. If you were gonna consider a product like that, I would Google the name of that product and the word complaints because we've seen a lot of complaints about those products that uh claim to, you know, encapsulate the surfaces that they're applied to, just not working very well. I would stick with the basics. A good quality, solid color stain uh, from a good manufacturer is going to last a long time, and you certainly won't be doing it every year. Okay, great. Well, I really appreciate the information and the help. Thank you again for taking my call. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Happy Labor Day weekend, everybody. Maybe you are taking advantage of this last official summer weekend to relax and enjoy your Money Pit. Or maybe you're getting ready for an autumn project. Whatever you are doing, we're here to give you a hand 24 hours a day, seven days a week at one eight 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 Money Pit. 888-666-3974. Still ahead, if you'd like backup power that comes on auto-magically, 
a standby generator might be the right solution for you. You like that auto magically? I like it. That's what I think about when my standby generator kicks on. It kicks on auto magically about 15 <laughs> seconds after the power goes out. It's like magic. I've got power again. You want to know how to get that kind of convenience in your house? We'll tell you after this. Hey, this is Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs, and I've just been told that Tom and Leslie might have a dirtier job than me. I find that hard to believe, but then I heard they work in a pit. That's a money pit, but still filthy. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And the number here is 1-888-MONEY-PIT. Now, one lucky caller who gets on the air with us this hour is going to win a Filtreat Quick Change Whole House Water Filter System worth $98. Now, everybody's got a reason for using water filters, you know, whether it's to improve water taste, reduce cloudiness, or cut down on contaminants. But it really is a great way to save a ton of money by getting rid of those bottled water. Too. Yeah, and the Filtreat brand from 3M has a new line of do-it-yourself water filtration products. They're easy to install in an under-sink cabinet. And right now, you can save when you get one. Just visit FiltreatCoupon.com for more info on that. And give us a call right now for the answer to your home improvement question and your chance to win 888 Money Pit. Tony in Florida is dealing with some not-so-energy-efficient appliances. Tell us what's going on. Yes, um, I have a train 19-share, 3-ton unit. It has, like, a dual compressor in there. I also have a um, a Pantier variable-speed pool pump and um, one of those um, heat pump GE water heater. Okay. And as, as far as I'm concerned, those are the three appliances that would be responsible for my big energy bill. Okay. Um, after installing those appliances, I'm still looking at any energy bill ranging between 180 and 2. Wow. That's expensive. Yeah. So let me ask you something about the heat, the, the training that you put in. When you put that in, did you just replace the compressor outside, or did you also replace any of the internal parts? The full unit was um, re- replaced and reduced. A couple of things that you can check. Uh, one of which is to have the HVAC contractor, or if you know how to do this, check the amperage draw for the compressor when it's running. That can be done from the electrical panel with an amp probe. See if we're pulling any excessive amperage. I'm wondering if anything is is um, broken in the compressors uh, or the fan system that's causing it to pull uh, more power than it should. So you can check that against the manufacturer's specification on both the heat pump, frankly, the heat pump, it's a heat pump water heater, correct? Yeah. So check the draw. Um, secondly, uh, is there any other major consuming appliances in the house? How are you cooking? Are you cooking with electric heat, with electricity, I should say? Yes, I'm cooking with a heat induction stove. Heat induction stove. Okay. So you are using quite a bit of power for that. What I, what I want to do is get to the point where we're breaking this down on a, on a case-by-case basis to try to figure this out. Here, here's what I want to tell you to do, okay? you got a lot going on in that house. This would be a really good case for an energy audit. There are energy auditors that uh, you could usually find through your local uh, utility company, or you can find them independently. And in many areas of the country, there are rebates for these, or they're even free. Energy auditors can come in and look at every source of energy that's being consumed in that house, as well as 
insulation, windows and doors, things like this. And the nice thing about an energy auditor is they're not there to sell you stuff. You know, sometimes when you, you call a contractor and say, I want an efficient you know, heating system, they sell, they sell you what they want to sell you. Energy orders are kind of like home inspectors, but they specialize in energy efficiency. And they can do an independent evaluation of all of the elements in the house and help you very accurately pin down where that energy is going. Sometimes it's free because it's paid for by the utility companies. In fact, some utility companies, as a condition of licensing, are required to provide energy auditors or low-cost auditors. Find a good one, research them carefully, and get an energy audit done at your house. And I think that that will help you stop speculating on where the power, where the energy is being used and where it's not, and get some real factual data that can help you make some intelligent decisions on how to cut those costs. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, just a few years ago, the thought of owning an emergency standby generator seemed almost silly because it was reserved for only those that were sort of the doomsday prophets, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But now power failures are very common and many homeowners really can't afford to ride out yet another power outage as Leslie and I both did when Superstorm Hurricane Sandy struck the Jersey Shore just about a year ago. You know, Tom, I mean, it was really crazy. We were lucky to be able to go to my mom's in the city, who was one block north of that power outage. But I came home to my house on Long Island literally 18 days without power with a newborn in hand and a refrigerator full of, like, rotten things. Yeah. Right. I was like, this could not be worse. And in talking to my uncle who lives in Manhasset on the island, you would think he invented a standby generator. The way he speaks so highly of it now. Yeah, well, the thing is, around here, folks have become generator prophets. You know, right. they are definitely like singing the praises of these things. And, you know, for good reason, because there are different types of standby generators, and you need to determine everything from your budget to how much power you want to restore when you consider one. But once you do, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you know, a standby generator, what they're designed to do is really restore just your most important 16 circuits. And while a whole house generator covers everything, air conditioning and more, it's really great. You can sort of pick and choose what you want and make that come back on. And the other part that's really important of this equation is it's got a transfer switch. So as Tom mentioned earlier in the tease, you know, when his power goes off, 15 seconds later, the power is back on. What the standby transfer switch does is It senses when there's no power coming into your panel because everything is wired together. And as soon as it senses there is no power coming to it, it starts up the generator and kicks it on. And, you know, one second, no light, next second, light. Absolutely. So for all the options, you simply search standby generators at moneypit.com. Or give us a call if you're thinking about that project. The number is 888-MONEYPIT. Sharon in Nebraska, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Well, we have a cement patio, and one corner of it seems to be sinking lower than the rest of the patio. Okay. And there is a crack in the patio now, but we're wondering how we can take care of that. Um, We talked to a contractor. He said that we would have to tear the whole patio out and re-pour that. But we're wondering if there's any way you can just put a new layer of cement over that part that's sinking down, blend it in with what is already there, and level it out. Yeah, it would be nice if that would work, Sharon, but but I have to agree with your contractor. It will not work. 
Um, the reason your your patio is cracking is because the soil is unstable in this area and it's sinking down. Now, is this crack the, the, the kind of thing that you'd be happy just repairing if you, we could tell you how to seal the crack or you just uh, want to level it out? Well, we would like to level it out because that corner seems to catch a lot of rain. When it rains quite a bit, the water runs to that corner, and if we get an excessive amount of rain it starts running into the back porch. Yeah, and you know what? That's a, a situation where it's just making itself worse because the more water you get, the more sinking that patio is going to do, and that's going to make it even worse. So I think if it's an area, if it's an issue of controlling the water uh, and trying to keep it away from the house and the patio is uh, severely cracked and sinking, that it might be time to replace it. You, there's nothing to be gained from putting a new layer on top of an old layer of patio, absolutely nothing. So I would tear that out, and you'll be amazed how quickly it comes out. Uh, pat, you know, patios that are four to six inches thick break break up very readily. And then have a new one put in, properly sloped, the soil properly prepared so it so it's, uh, it's tamped well and doesn't compress anymore. And then take any steps necessary to keep water away from that. Uh, for example, looking at the grading, uh, looking at the gutters, that sort of thing to, to stop water from collecting in that area. And that will help preserve it for the future. Okay. That's not what I wanted to hear, but I guess that our contractor was right. Yeah, he was. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Now we've got Rhonda in Washington who needs some help with window cleaning. Tell us what you're working on. Hi. Um, well, you know what? We bought new windows, and then my husband turned the sprinkler on, and now we've got water deposits, stains all over these new windows, and it's on the west side of my house, and it's just baked on. And I cannot find any way to get that cleaned off. And I was wondering if you had any suggestions. There's actually a super easy trick of the trade. Have you tried white vinegar? Oh, you know what? I've soaked um, paper towels in white vinegar and just soaked it on there. It didn't seem to do anything to it. Ron, have you tried Lime Away? Uh-uh. Lime Away is a, uh, is a cleaner that's designed to dissolve mineral deposits, which you have are mineral salts. And it's kind of like CLR. It's made by Reckitt Ben Keister. They're a big uh, cleaning manufacturing company. And it works very well on vinyl siding and other vinyl surfaces. And I'm sure it will work well to take those deposits. It'll take lime off. It'll also take rust stains off. Soak it in like in a a paper towel and stuff and then just put it on there like that and let it just sit? No, it's 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 a concentrate. You just mix it. All right. Well, cool. Thank you so much. Love your show. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Still ahead this hour, you know, mulch is more than just something that keeps your landscaping looking really neat and well-groomed. It actually helps protect your plants and your shrubs. We're going to tell you how when Roger Cook from This Old House joins us after this. On the Money Pit Radio Show, pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home by calling The Money Fit is brought to you by Liquid Nails. For tough jobs, demand the extraordinary strength of Liquid Nails brand heavy-duty construction adhesive. It bonds a wide range of materials, indoors and out, for a job done once done right. Learn more about Liquid Nails brand heavy-duty construction adhesive at liquidnails.com. 
Making good home better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And you know, you might have your AC running right now, but this is the time to take a look at your heating system before you need to start using it. You want to think about getting your furnace maintained now. It's cheaper and it's smarter than waiting until it gets cold. If you want to know what should be included in a service call to kind of Get your system ready to go for the winter. Visit MoneyPit.com, and you can search heating system service right there. We've got an entire checklist so that you know what your service guy should be doing to make sure you're good to go for the chilly weather ahead. Caitlin and I was on the line and need some help restoring an old bath. Tell us what's going on. Hi. Um, my husband and I moved into our 1917 farmhouse about a year ago, and our main bathroom only has a clawfoot tub, and we would like a shower in it. So I was wondering if you had any tips on restoring the clawfoot tub and installing a shower kit. So you want to keep the tub, right? You don't want to put a separate shower. You just want to basically plumb up a shower head into that, correct? Correct. Since it's a clawfoot tub, if you disconnect the plumbing, then you can get that out of the house. Because the best way to to refinish that, resurface that, is to send it out to a company that does that. Because if you do it in the house itself... They can come in with acids and they can etch the old finish and they can add a new finish and then they can bring in heat lights and bacon on. But I've found that it doesn't work nearly as well as basically sending it out to a place that's set up to re-enamel a tub. And then you're going to have one that really lasts for the long haul. And um, after that... You know, installing a shower kit to that is is pretty much a plumbing project. Lots of places like Restoration Hardware um, have kits where you can find them online where you could basically plumb up the pipe that comes up and then arcs over for the shower head and you need a nice circular shower curtain, um, a shower bar above it for a curtain. And, you know, all that's easy, but the hard part is getting the tub re-enameled. Okay. And how costly is re-enameling a tub? It's probably not as expensive as buying a new tub and it's going to last indefinitely. Okay. Well, thank you for your advice. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. For as long as there have been trees in the woods, leaves and needles have fallen on top of that soil to create what we call a natural mulch, and that protects and preserves the forest. And you can create that same protection for your own yard by adding mulch around your beds and your trees. Here with tips on the best way to accomplish that project is a guy who's hauled probably more mulch in his career than I bet he'd like to recall, (laughs) Roger Cook, the landscape contractor for TV's This Old House. Welcome, Roger. Thank you, but there's nothing like the smell of the first little to Bach mulch in the spring, you know? <laughs> Loves the smell of fresh mulch in the morning. You know, I think homeowners think of mulch mostly as a decorative element, but it really has a very important benefit to the plants underneath it, correct? Yeah, I think a decoration is the least of the thing that mulch does. It's a great thing for the soil because it modifies heat. You get a blanket which stops those radical hot and cold streaks, mm-hmm. but it holds moisture in the ground, and that's an important thing. And the third thing it does is it can stop weeds from germinating. Mm, good and point. And it really does make your flower bed look beautiful. Well, it can, but that's not what I'm looking for. I know, but that's not what we're looking for. (laughs) So now, is there one type of mulch that's better than others, or does that really depend on your area? It depends on your area. I'm a big believer in using a natural mulch from the area. Here in New England, we use a lot of ground-up pine and spruce, and it makes a great mulch, and it works out really well, and it breaks down. Some people use cypress or different things. Some of the species of woods could be a little questionable about their availability, so I really like 
to go with what's native. And I like to buy in bulk, even if you're just buying two or three yards. If you can get it, it's much cheaper to buy in bulk than buy it by the bag. Mm-hmm. And environmentally, it's better that way, too. And when it comes to mulch, I think folks confuse the mulch with the bark chips. And those are really more decorative, aren't they? Definitely decorative. They take a lot longer to break down. And really, the mulch, we really do want it to break down so that it does its job. It insulates and it feeds the soil below. Yes. What about grass clippings? You know, I I know that when you mow the lawn, if you want to sort of cut back on fertilization, you can use the clippings, you know, rather than bagging them and getting rid of them. Can you use those grass clippings in other areas of the yard or strictly for the lawn? You can, but you have to remember a couple of things. If you use them in a vegetable garden, you want to make sure that that grass hasn't been treated with any sort of chemical Mm -hmm. and then you're bringing it to the vegetable garden. It does make a barrier which stops weeds from germinating, but as it starts to break down, it can get slippery and it can smell. Mm. So mm. that's a good point. I didn't even think a about. much better point would be to take that grass and mix it with some leaves, some browns in a two to one brown to nitrogen, nitrogen being the grass, and do your own compost. Make compost out of it, and then rather than putting it strictly on the bed alone. Makes sense. We're talking to Roger Cook, the landscape contractor from TV's This Old House. So, Roger, if we have selected our mulch, we're ready to do the project. Um, How actually do we do that job? I mean, do you always just add it on top of what's there, or do you want to kind of clean up the bed first? That's my biggest pet peeve is it looks like a volcano around a tree. You see mounds and mounds of mulch, and it's just right. crawling up the trunk of the tree. That can do more damage to the tree. It can cause a secondary root system, girdling root. It can even cause the trunk to uh, soften and allow bugs to get in there. Hmm. What happens is people go around, they edge the bed with their edger, and they throw that dirt on top of the last year's mulch, and then they put more mulch on top of that and year after year after year, and it grows. Hmm. What you really need to do every two to three years is go in, strip the mulch out of the beds. Then go in and add an inch of mulch, re-edge your bed, which when you take your half-moon edger, cut a nice straight edge along that, and leave the mulch down two or three inches where the grass meets the mulch, and that'll stop the grass from growing into the bed. Roger, one of the questions we get on a fairly regular basis is about artillery fungus, this very small sort of black specks that form around houses, sticks to siding, sticks to cars. Sometimes people blame that as originating in the mulch. Have you heard of this? I've heard of it a little bit. Not too, too much, but what I heard was found when there was a lot of wood in the mulch. Okay. couple things to remember. When you buy mulch that's more woody, it can be made up of a bunch of different things, including construction debris and two-by-fours and things like that. So I always thought that that fungus originated in bigger pieces of wood, and that's where it came from. Because usually the bark, if it's really true bark, is natural things in there that inhibit funguses and things from growing on the bark. So, so you want the mulch made out of the bark, not out of the tree sort of itself, the wood part of it. Right, right. And like I said, a lot of times when you get mulch that's got a lot of wood in it, it's not tree wood, it's construction wood. And most people think of mulch as wood, so that's a really good distinction. Right. It's mm-hmm. the bark part of the tree that you want here, not the part of the tree that uh, is really more of the structural end of it. It's the skin. Exactly. It protects the tree, it's going to protect your beds. Really helps. Good advice. Roger Cook, the landscape contractor on TV's This Old House. Thanks so much for stopping by the money, but helping us get our beds ready for the season ahead. Well, I hope I mulched you out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you can catch the current season of This Old House and Ask This Old House on PBS. For local listings and step-by-step videos of many common home improvements, 
even projects, visit thisoldhouse.com. And This Old House and Ask This Old House are brought to you by The Home Depot. The Home Depot, more saving, more doing. Still ahead, more of your calls, plus a simple lighting change that you can do yourself will immediately help you start saving money and energy. We'll tell you what it is next. You live in a body pit. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now. The number is one eight 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 money pit And one caller we talked to on the air this hour is going to win a quick change whole house water filtration system worth 98 bucks. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's a great way to instantly cut down on cloudiness and contaminants and that could be in your water and it actually improves the taste of your tap water as well. Plus, you're not going to need all those water bottles that cost a lot of money anymore either. This system is a do-it-yourself project and it's easy to install. It's available at Walmart and right now you can even save some money when you visit filtratecoupon.com. The Filtrate Quick Change Whole House Water Filter System from 3M. It's worth $98. Going out to one caller drawn at random. So pick up the phone 888-MONEYPIT. Terry in Illinois, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Yes, um, I'm talking about some uh, styrofoam insulation uh, in the basement. And uh, my concern is a vapor barrier. Is it the proper way to put the plastic up against your foundation wall and then go with the styrofoam? Or is that the correct way or wrong way? Or does it make any difference? Well, with uh, styrofoam insulation, since it's not an organic material, you can put that right up against the foundation wall. You don't have to put a vapor barrier um, over it first. So are you going to frame in the walls? Yes. uh, The wall's going to be all framed in and uh, two-by-twos and uh, uh, two-inch styrofoam will be in side uh, 16-inch centers. So you're going to attach the, the two-by-twos to the concrete wall, and then you're going to yes. put the styrofoam in between that. i got to tell you that personally, I don't like to do that. I like to, to leave space between the wall, the, the uh, block wall, and the uh, framed wall or the drywall, because I think it allows it to dry out better if it gets damp down there. So I personally prefer to frame a wall inside the basement walls and not attach it to the to the outside. If you are going to attach it, or frankly, even if you're not, you also should be aware that drywall is really a bad choice for a basement area. I would use a fiberglass-faced wall board. There's one called Dens Armor, D-E-N-S Armor. It's made by Georgia Pacific, pretty readily available, more expensive than paper drywall. But because of the fiberglass face, it can't possibly grow mold. And that's definitely something to be concerned about in the basement. Okay, Terry? All right, thank you. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. All right, now we've got Derwin in Texas who's dealing with a fascia board situation. Tell us what's going on. I have a fascia board uh, that is rotten. The way it's put on there is... I have a one by four fish board that's nailed up on there, and then the one by two is nailed uh, on the top portion of the one of the fish board, yep. and uh, which kind of and the gutter is nailed to the one by two. So I guess the one by two keeps the gutter from resting up against the fish board. Got it. Keep rotting. Mm-hmm. So, but the drip edge there's a drip edge that's nailed to the top, so like a two by two uh, drip edge, and uh, the top. The uh, part 
of the drip edge is nailed to the roof deck, and then it uh, it uh, lays the other half is lays into the gutter. So what you want to know is how can you get the rotted fascia board out without taking apart your gutter and your drip edge and your spacer and all that stuff, right? Right. There's no way to to uh, surgically remove the the fascia. It's like one part of the assembly. So you'd have to take the whole thing apart. Now, I mean, it's not a. It, it sounds like a lot of work. It's not a tremendous project to get a gutter off. It's not something you can do yourself because you don't want to bend it. So you have to do it with some help, take the gutter off in one piece. But there is an opportunity here, and that is that when you replace the fascia, I would not put wood fascia back. What I would do is I would use a product called Azek, A-Z-E-K. And this looks like wood, so it can look like that old one by four that you had, except it's made of cellular PVC. So it cuts like wood and it looks like wood, but it never rots. So I would definitely suggest that this is an opportunity to improve the material that you're using there. Now, whether or not you put back the spacer and the gutter the way it was before is up to you. You really don't need to have a spacer. You could put the gutter right up against the AZEC, then have the roof just lay into the top of the gutter. That would be the most normal assembly for that kind of thing. But if you want the spacer and it just works out better because that's the way it was before, then what you could do is buy one by six AZAC, cut uh, a one and a half inch strip off of it, use that as the spacer and use the rest as you'll have one by four left and use that for the fascia and you'll have the strip just in one, uh, one piece. So it cuts just like wood. Looks like wood, cuts like wood doesn't rot like wood. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Still to come, we are going to share some tips for a money and energy saving lighting upgrade that's super easy for you to do. The Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show continues after this. 888 Money Pit. The Money Pit is brought to you by the new Chamberlain Garage Power Station, an air inflator, utility cord, and LED task light, all together in a new three-in-one tool, exclusively at The Home Depot. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. We are standing by to take your questions, your calls on your home improvement project. So give us a call right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT. And if your question is, hey, how do I get my kids to remember to turn the lights off when they leave (laughs) their rooms? We've got a solution for you. It's called an occupancy sensor. And here to tell us about it is Melissa Andresco from Lutron Electronics. Hey, Melissa. Hi, Tom. Hi, Leslie. So the occupancy sensing switch is something I have completely fallen in love with because I've got three teenagers. And I you know, there's a moment when you're raising kids when you say, I've become my father. You know what I mean? Like you've become the parent. And I still um, hear in my brain the echo of my parents telling me to turn the lights off. And the occupancy sensing switch is designed to do that and so much more. So give us the basics of how it works. 
you know, everybody has heard who left the lights on, you know, don't leave the front door open. It's kind of one of those classic phrases that everybody has had said to them at some point in their life. So, you know, this, this sensor switch is hopefully going to bring an end to all those questions and all that yelling. But essentially when I walk into a room, it's going to automatically turn the lights on for me. And then while I'm in the space, it's going to keep the light on. I don't have to worry about the light shutting off prematurely and having to, you know, wave my hands in the air and say, hey, I'm, I'm still here. And then when I leave the room, it's going to automatically automatically shut that light off. So, you know, if I if I am taking a phone call or if my hands are full, I don't have to worry about, you know, reaching for that light switch or that dimmer. It's just going to automatically do it for me and in turn save a lot of energy and again, save a lot of parents from yelling at their kids. Yeah, and it's an easy installation. I put about 4 of these in inside of an hour. So, you're talking about 10-15 minutes apart. And and that's with my 13-year-old helping me, which always doubles the installation time, but you know, <laughs> you know it really wasn't difficult at all. Um, Melissa, I want to talk a bit about the two modes that the occupancy sensing switch is available in occupancy and vacancy mode. Can you explain the differences? Um, as Leslie was saying, that her son doesn't like to go into a dark, a dark room. So that would be um, the occupancy mode where the light automatically comes on. But in some cases, you don't want that to happen. You want to, want to be able to manually turn it on, correct? Correct. And, you know, vacancy mode is great for people just most importantly, who have pets. Because if your pet is wandering around a house during the day, the sensor is most likely going to see your cat or your dog, and it's going to turn the light on. And, you know, most dogs and cats probably don't need the lights to be turning on and off for them throughout the day. So by putting it into vacancy mode, that means that when I walk into the room, I have to manually turn that light on. But what it does mean is that when I leave that room, it's going to automatically shut it off. So again, somebody has to physically turn the light on in vacancy mode in order to get those lights to come on. So great for, um, you know, people with pets and, and select rooms of the house. We're talking to Melissa Andresco. She's the Director of Public Relations for Lutron Electronics, manufacturers of the Lutron Maestro Occupancy Sensing Switches. Uh, you guys are actually giving away 150 of these switches now on your Facebook page. How is that working? Oh, it's great, Tom. You know, we love to be able to share new products with our Facebook fans. And, you know, you simply go to Lutron's Facebook page, which is just facebook.com slash Lutron. Like us, fill out the contest uh, entry form, and before the end of August, we'll be giving away 150 of our occupancy sensing switches. So head on over to the Facebook page and like us, and hopefully you'll win. Very cool. Melissa Andresco from Lutron Electronics, thanks so much for stopping by the Money Pit. Thank you, Tom and Leslie. I appreciate it. Learn more about the Lutron Maestro occupancy sensing switches at their website, which is Lutron.com, L-U-T-R-O-N.com. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Thank you so much for spending this hour with us. We hope we've given you a hand with all of your Labor Day home improvements. I'm Leslie Segretti. And I'm Tom Kreitler. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Money Pit!